0: In the name of God, who has made us and who loves us and keeps us, amen. You may be seated. Everyone believes that their own child is special. And I believe they're right. We definitely feel that way about our son, Charlie the kid with the gap-tooth grin who has grown into a young man in the blink of an eye, and in 19 long years. We're proud of him for a lot of reasons. He's almost always kind. His first semester at college went well. He's a third-degree black belt, a fine bass singer, and he loves his grandmothers to pieces. But bless his heart, Charlie, has no concept of time. I do have permission to tell you this. I called him. And I don't just mean that Charlie stays up too late or doesn't get up early enough. That's pretty normal stuff for a college student. I mean that Charlie has never really worried about how time works. If you ask him how long it takes to get somewhere or how many hours it is until dinner, or if you ask him how long ago we got back from the store or how much time it takes to feed the pets, he's going to get it wrong and not just by a few seconds or a few minutes. Charlie estimates the passage of time according to some internal clock on which the hands move imperceptibly, slowly or blindingly fast. Our experience of time changes as we get older, as we accumulate more days and months and years against which to measure a certain amount of time. For a child, the weight from this Christmas to next Christmas is a significantly larger portion of their lifetime than it is of ours. They ask if it will ever get here. We ask how it got here already. Didn't we just take down the decorations and now it's time to put them up again? So today is the feast of the presentation. And, incidentally, Groundhog Day, when we may or may not have six more weeks of winter, no wonder time is a difficult concept to grasp. But in the church, it is the feast of the presentation when we remember that Mary and Joseph, faithfully following Jewish law, brought their baby, their special child, to be blessed at the temple in Jerusalem. And I wonder how fast or how slow the 40 days between his birth and that day had seemed for them. Scripture moves quickly through Jesus' infancy and childhood, but on this day, In the year that Jesus was born, he wouldn't even be six weeks old yet. Still, sleep deprived and perhaps uncertain whether all those angels and shepherds had just been a dream, Mary and Joseph made their way to Jerusalem, to the stronghold of heaven on earth with their armful of heaven on earth to present him their firstborn son, to God. Now, some have said that Simeon was the priest who was conducting rituals in the temple that day. Some have said that as a young man, Simeon was reading the scroll of Isaiah and that when he came to the words, look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel, an angel had suddenly appeared and told Simeon that he would see that child before he died. Luke only tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout and that he must have been of advanced years. And along with Anna, who also, at the age of 84 herself, had long been looking for the one who would be called God's Messiah, Simeon saw the holy, harried family arrive at the temple and he knew the time had come. Simeon took the child, the special child, the holy child in his arms, and both of their faces, bright with tears of joy, he and Anna sang their praises to God. That's what Luke tells us. But surely, Surely they also whispered to that little messiah in their arms at the same time so ancient and so brand new. Surely they whispered to him, I've been waiting for you my whole life. I've been waiting and watching for you. I've been waiting to meet you for a lifetime and now you're here. Perhaps... Some of their many years had flown by, and others had seemed endlessly long. Perhaps in their lifetime, they had always been unwavering in their expectation that God would come to God's people to redeem them and console them, to shine upon those who had lived so long in darkness. Perhaps every now and then, even... Anna and Simeon had wondered whether God's promises would ever be fulfilled. The time disappeared when they laid eyes on Jesus that day, and they knew that all the waiting had been worth it. The one through whom all things had been made, the one through whom they would all be made, new, the past and the future was present. The feast of the presentation always falls in the season of Epiphany, though we don't always get to celebrate it on a Sunday. And indeed, this feast is full of light. As Simeon sings, my eyes have seen your salvation in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation. Or in the rendering that we use at evening prayer, a light to enlighten the nations. Now, there's no bright star like the one we saw at the start of this season. There's no transfigured glory, such as we'll see when this season ends at the edge of Epiphany of Lent. There's only an ordinary baby, a precious child, in whose tiny hands that are wrapped around Simeon's finger, and whose tiny feet that Anna is kissing is all the light of the world, the in the beginning light, the light that shines in the darkness that the darkness will not overcome. A light for revelation, Simeon sings, but some things the world had decided it would rather not see. It did not want to have revealed. Before her baby's birth, in gratitude, Mary had sung of what God's saving work was like. God has scattered the proud. God has brought down the powerful. God has lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry, and sent the rich away empty. Years later, at the Jordan, John the Baptist would urge God's people to bear fruits worthy of repentance and that that would involve sharing their coats, he said, sharing their food, sharing their wages. And in the synagogue at Nazareth, Jesus himself would read from the prophet Isaiah, God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. The light of the world would be good news, and it would also illuminate. And it still illuminates our prejudices, our addictions, our fears, our vulnerability, our greed, our self-righteousness, our lack of faith in a God of boundless grace and limitless love child they held so tenderly that day. And the temple would turn the world upside down. In that very temple, one day he would turn the tables on the belief that anyone could ever buy or earn or deserve God's love, God's favor. Simeon saw the light, and he saw the shadow of the cross. And every sword that would ever pierce any heart that dared to love that precious child, that dared to love others as that child would love us. He saw the peace that day that lay within and beyond what singer-songwriter Carrie Newcomer calls the curious promise of limited time, enjoy, and sorrow in fleeting seconds and interminable hours and in life and death god with us was now and always with us god's temple was no longer made of stone not even beautiful wood and stained glass god's temple was made of ordinary flesh and blood hands and feet the body of christ I see the love of God in you, O holy child of God. Simeon and Anna might have sung to that baby in their arms, or they might have been singing it to Mary and Joseph. I see the love of God in you, or to one another, or across all these years, to us, we who are the body of Christ. I see the love of God in you. The light of God comes shining through. I learned this sweet little song, which sounds so much like Simeon's, when I served as chaplain at St. Andrew's Episcopal School. I see the love of God in you. The light of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you, O holy child of God." The children would sing in our little chapel services. Now, and now, and now, and in the next moment, and in the moment after that, and in the one after that, we are blessed to be in the presence of Christ. Always, every moment, no matter what time it is, we receive Christ into our, our, our arms, or he receives us in his, when we look for the light in others when we reveal the light that is in us. We are blessed now, on this day. Another preacher has written, he says, on a feast that contains both joy and sorrow, in a temple that contains both blessing and burden, we learn this. In the city, as in all of life, there is much to be found, he says. Some of it is wondrous and some of it is disturbing. There is danger here, and there is banality and distraction, and yes, goodness. God can be found in all of it, though, he writes. And the fundamental lesson today is that we must present ourselves in its mist, in its midst. We must make our way to the temple. So the world is God's temple. And Christ is everywhere in it, waiting now for us, ready to present himself to us in every moment, in every precious child, which is to say, in you, and me, in our neighbors who sleep in all these new downtown lofts, in our neighbors who sleep on downtown sidewalks, in people who don't look like us or vote like us or speak the language that we speak or choose the partners that we choose. And in people that do, at the altar rail, at the font, in the city, at school, in William today, in all the scouts who are with us, in every one we meet, I see the love of God in you. The light of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you, O holy child of God. Amen.